Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm your host, April, on this fine Wednesday. This is a very special episode. You'll see why later. Oh, and special announcement. It's official. We're going to Maine, baby. My hubs and I have purchased tickets for FanFest. If you're considering it, let me make the decision for you and do it. Check out the FanFest Society on Instagram or Facebook and get your tickets so you can plan your trip. I can't wait to meet more new people in this massive community we are so lucky to be a part of. It's going to be so great. I'll share a pic of us closer to the date in case you're planning on attending the event and we can make sure to say hey to the listeners. So hopefully you've watched, re-watched, or were introduced for the first time to this week's episode entitled The Deer Hunters. Why is it called this? According to GilmoreGirls.Fandom.com, the episode title is a reference to the film Film, the Deer Hunter. IMDb tells us this film is an in-depth examination of the ways in which the Vietnam War impacts and disrupts lives of several friends in a small steel mill town in Pennsylvania. I also read on Quora.com, Q-U-O-R-A.com, that it's about a man who believes that deer hunting is sacred. I clearly have not seen this movie. Have you? I mean, let's address the elephant, or should I say deer, in the room. Rory gets hit by a deer in this episode. IMDb, by the way, is an online database for films, shows, podcasts, videos, games, ratings, trivia, and a lot more. IMDb stands for Internet Movie Database, and it is owned by Amazon. Side note, and I know we're not in the rating segment of the pod yet, but IMDb gave this particular episode a 7.9 out of 10. Let's get into it, shall we? As usual, let's begin with the episode synopsis that we need to read from the DVD box set booklet for your enjoyment. <clears throat> Episode 4, The Deer Hunters, written by Jed Seidel, directed by Alan Myerson, and the original air date was October 26th of 2000. Not buying the dog ate my homework? Try a deer struck my car. 
That's hilarious. Rory's mishap en route to Chilton causes her to miss a Shakespeare exam, and the consequences could be disastrous for her GPA. Chapter 1, School Supplies. Chapter 2, To Air is Rory. Chapter 3, Parent Teacher Night. Chapter 4, Oh Dear. Chapter 5, Tantrum 2. And Chapter 6 is The End Credits. That was a good one, guys. Lorelai's teasing Rory about how specific she is with her school supplies in the teaser of the episode, aka the cold open. Rory needs serious paper because she's going to a serious school now. I'm with Lorelai, though. I'd be going for the purple paper all the way. Which one are you, a Rory or a Lorelai? Rory's getting off the bus, and it takes her three trips to get all her books offloaded at Chilton. I just imagine the bus driver watching her thinking, this chick's some kind of crazy overachiever. At Chilton, Rory is sitting behind Paris and her gang in class. Rory got a D on her test. She's devastated. D is for devastated. Who is this teacher? He seems great, other than the fact that he drops this huge, we're having a big test that will count for 20% of your grade bomb on the class as the bell rings. The stress I feel from hearing that, wow, 20% is a lot, and it reminds me of how I used to study, or should I say not study for a test in school. I never did, ever. Then I found out the best way for me to try and pass something was to read all the notes right before the test and see what I could retain. And then like an hour later, it was all gone, and all I wanted to do was hang out with my friends and make art. Don't worry, though. Once I entered college, I smartened up and actually studied for tests. Statistics was not going to pass itself. Paris and the gal gang are gathering their books after class, and they're talking in front of Rory about how Paris got an A, so did Louise, Madeline got a B. A B's not bad. A D, however, that would be a job application at McDonald's, according to Paris. Ooh, harsh. Madeline appears to be the clueless one out of the three mean girls. There's always one, right? She's like, I don't get it. No, but Rory does. We get to see Tristan again here, and he calls Rory Mary again. You can tell she's getting super irritated by this, and he asked her if she has a boyfriend, and she just says firmly, none of your business. He asked her what she's doing Friday night, calling her Mary like five times in this conversation. You can tell she's just like, literally had it, and I think she's about to snap. Later, Mary... Drella is back again and she's walking through the inn with her harp and she trips Michelle and they have this little interaction because they clearly just hate each other. Lorelai flips through magazines and the mail they received at the inn and she's super excited about one specific piece and she runs into the kitchen to show Suki. It's here! It's here! At the same time, Rory walks in with her school books and everything. It's funny that she didn't just go home immediately. She goes to the inn to walk into the kitchen with like 16 book bags on her. Lucian Mills, the food critic. He did a piece on Suki's food at the inn. Divine, delectable, and delirious is how he described dining at the Independence Inn. It's a rave. Rory's just sitting there eating out of a bowl of chocolate. Two things. That chocolate looks super delicious, and clearly her day's been mm, a tad rough. Lucian says the risotto was perfectly fine, and Suki's face just drops. It kind of reminds me of school when you would get these little, like, midterm reports or something, and it would have N for needs improvement, S for satisfactory, E for excellent... I don't know, I think there was a few others too, but anyways, the one that always really bothered me was satisfactory, because it's like, yeah, you did okay, better than needs improvement, but satisfactory is such a good descriptive word though, like, 
oh, I'm so satisfied with this. It's so satisfactory. Like, I feel like you can make that word sound so great, but it brings me back to these times of these shitty little report cards and it's like, oh, you got an S. That's like getting a three out of 10. You're like, well, I didn't get zero, but I didn't do well. I love it when Lorelai's trying to get the girls pumped up and there's Suki who's kind of now bummed out about this review and Rory who's just sitting in the chair eating a bowl of chocolate. So Lorelai's trying to get them pumped up because she thinks they could go out on the town and she goes, oh shoot, the linen delivery. And Rory chimes in with, you go girl, you go Glen Coco. The wind was taken out of her sails immediately too. And that's when we kind of realize life sometimes is just a little bit too busy to do something fun or let loose because it's like, oh, we have priorities. We have commitments. The linen delivery. Adulting, am I right? Rory made this funny though. Rory's studying in the kitchen now at home and there's the singer sewing machine again. And Lorelai's sitting in the living room. The girls can see each other from where they're both sitting. Lorelai's just sitting there watching TV and Rory's trying to study. I love when Lorelai gets up off the couch, turns the TV off and goes, hey, let's get ice cream. I'm bored. 1000% sounds like something I would say on the regular to my husband. And he's usually down for some ice cream or some kind of treat. Mom, I'm studying. Yeah, but I'm talking ice cream. Me. Get the dang ice cream. Maybe they can indulge in some kiwi ice cream since Suki knows how to make it. LOL. Rory's like, are you four? And she's like, no, I'm hungry. (laughs) This conversation is so relatable. Rory is definitely the adult in this scene, which we're going to see more in the future here and there where Lorelai's the kid and Rory's the responsible adult of the two of them. Lorelai even said that. Remember in episode one, Rory's always been the responsible one. Rory in this next scene, you can tell she's just totally done as she's walking to Kim's Antiques. Her shirt is untucked, her arms are crossed as she walks up to the door and heads inside where her and Lane throw it back to a good old game of Marco Polo. Lane could have just said she was in the kitchen. This house gives me so much anxiety because there's just stuff on top of stuff. Like there's a stove in the background where Lane's sitting with a chair on it. The table she's doing homework on, there's like hat boxes and stuff on it and things all around. It's crazy to think that they actually live here. This whole main floor of this house is this cluttery antique store mess and the upstairs is, well, when we do get to see that, it's definitely more of a typical living quarters. Rory passes Lane a Snickers bar and literally for most of my entire life, I was not a Snickers fan. Is that crazy to say? I don't even know why because now I love Snickers and I have a whole new outlook on Snickers bars. But ask me five years ago and I would have said it's a zero out of 10 for me. Mars bars, however, I will never like those things, I swear. I had a deep fried one once and it was kind of okay because I guess anything deep fried is okay, but Mars bars are nothing special to me. What's your favorite chocolate bar? Well, really, if we're talking about favorite chocolate bars, Crunch. Do you remember Crunch? It's like got those Rice Krispies in it. That's my number one. It's kind of hard to find. I think we only have like one convenience store in our town where you can actually score them. And then we have O. Henry and Reese. And I would say those two are tied for second. So pretty much those are the only ones I'm eating these days. Man, you guys, I'm going to be so hungry after this episode. Rory brings out her books to study at the table with Lane, who's eating a rice cake. And it looks like a completely plain rice cake with nothing on it. So that Snickers bar is really going to help her out here. Side note, I like the caramel rice cakes when you spread a nice layer of peanut butter on it. Mmm, try it. Isn't it kind of nice that Rory and Lane get to hang out a little bit? Like, they get to study together after school because they don't get to see each other during the school day anymore. Well, a lady just came in and bought that table that they were studying at, so now they have to get up and move. Mrs. Kim suggests they go to the library because they have nowhere else to study and her house is just a hot mess. Mrs. Kim calls the Snickers bar chocolate-covered death. 
when she sees it in Lane's hand and Rory pretends it was hers to save Lane from getting in trouble and presumably going straight to hell. When Mrs. Kim says chocolate covered death, the look on her face is dead ass serious. It's not even a joke to be had and she does not appreciate Rory's attitude about it even though it was pretty funny. So more importantly in this scene, Lane decides to say, oh, by the way, this guy asked about you today. What guy? Rory asks Lane and she goes, the new kid. He wanted to know where she was and Lane told him that she was just too smart and had to go to the genius school. Lane has this really weird attitude here saying like, he really liked that. I guess he's into brainy chicks. It's kind of this cringy moment right here, and I don't think the acting is super on point for this one. Just kind of felt off, and Rory's put off by what Lane allegedly said. Same girl, same. Life wouldn't be the same if we didn't get to witness Drella playing Black Sabbath on the harp. And this is actually sounding really great. And then Lorelai says, no Black Sabbath, no Steely Dan, no Boston, and no Queen. I would love to hear Queen on the harp. Lorelai walks into the kitchen at the inn saying, Suki, I need a coffee. And Suki's sitting at the table, clearly depressed and just kind of sulking. Lorelai starts telling Suki that she has to go to Hartford tonight for a parent-teacher meeting at Chilton. She also brings up the fact that Chilton is totally different than Stars Hollow High, how they send updates every week, and it's just a very intense place. And last week, there was a huge debate whether plaid scrunchies were acceptable headwear. Lorelai voted for the scrunchies. And damn it, I would have too. Suki just doesn't seem to care. She seems super depressed and bummed out. When we find out it's because the food critic said her food was fine. Like I said, the word fine is just like satisfactory in high school. You don't feel good about it, even though it's not bad per se. Suki kind of described it as it's a good response. It's just not good enough for Suki. Lorelai doesn't think that he meant fine in that way, but I totally get where Suki's coming from. Maybe Lorelai's report cards never had any S's on them. And there's something about this risotto. Suki made it on her mother's deathbed and she lived three more years because of the magic risotto. Suki says she was supposed to be dead. At this point, I'm wondering if everyone listening knows what risotto is. I don't. But what I do know is that currently I own five Gilmore Girls cookbooks. Well, one is a two-book set, so maybe that's four books. Whatever. And I'm about to look in each one to see if they have the magic risotto recipe. BRB. Okay, so the first cookbook I opened is my newest one. I have the least amount of experience with this particular book, but I just have to say that, oh my god, this book is beautiful and these recipes look amazing. Okay, wait, who thinks I should start like a weekly cook with me where I'll pick something from one of these five GG cookbooks I have and make them? I'll admit I've done one recipe before, but I'll fill you in more on that when the time is right. Okay, so back to the recipe. First of all, I've got to give this book its proper shout out. This is the Gilmore Girls official cookbook with recipes by Elena P. Craig and the text is by Kristen Mulrooney. I'll post a pic of the cover in the IG post for this episode so you can check it out too. So what I now have learned is that the magic risotto is like a hearty rice dish. It's got scallops and shrimp, garlic, and a bunch of other really yummy sounding ingredients. I also did a quick Google search and found out that risotto is made with short grain rice varieties, which tend to be high in starch and create that sticky, creamy texture you're looking for in risotto. Thank you, foodnetwork.com. I need to now check my other books. Hang on. You can find a mushroom risotto in Enjoy Food Like a Gilmore Girl Cookbook by Patricia Baker. That's cool. Her last name's Baker, and she can clearly bake. 
There's also Suki's Risotto in another book I've got by Patricia Baker called the Lorelei Rory Cookbook. And lastly, I found the risotto recipe in the first Gigi cookbook I ever acquired, which is Eat Like a Gilmore, the unofficial cookbook for fans of Gilmore Girls by Christy Carlson, who, by the way, I actually met at the fan fest I attended in 2019, and she actually signed my copy for me. This particular cookbook is the one I've made an amazing recipe from before, the one I'll fill you in at a later date on. Okay, that was fun, doing a quick flip through the books. And as I was passing these recipes, and literally since I'm such a super fan, I can remember the line in the episode which that recipe makes its debut. How cool is it that we have this great show to talk about in so many facets? I need to do some recipes and share my results with you guys. It's decided. Anyway, so Jackson comes into the kitchen with disappointing news for Suki. And he just full on says, I know, I don't have it, I'm sorry. And he's just kind of waiting for her to lose it on him like she usually would. But she uses the word fine and just kind of walks away. Lorelai fills Jackson in on the haps when he's all weirded out by the fact that she just said it's fine and walked away. Jackson goes, the magic risotto? You're kidding. Lorelai asks Jackson to cheer her up, telling Suki, please don't worry about it. Everyone knows you're the best. Now we're at Chilton in the evening and we're going to this English class that Rory was in where she got the dreaded D on her paper. And this is the teacher that Lorelai gets to meet for parent-teacher meeting. All the parents are sitting down in the chairs in the classroom and and they want to know exactly what's going to be included on this advanced placement test. There's some definite Karens in this class, sorry to say. Of course, Lorelai walks into the class late, and she just goes right up to the instructor saying, I'm so sorry, there was a horrible pothole incident, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's sitting down, and she doesn't even seem to notice that she just walks in like she owns the place. I love the part when she bumps into the globe, almost knocking it over, and she goes, what in the world? <laughs> I always chuckle. It's so funny. These Chilton parents don't find her amusing at all, though, when she makes her funny little joke. But let's get to the interesting part. When this instructor says, by the way, I don't believe we've met, shaking Lorelai's hand, she informs him that she's Rory's mom. He tells the parents Rory is one of their new students. Again, they don't care. Lorelai goes and tries to have some coffee because there's like cookies and coffee in the back of the class. And the coffee apparently tastes like ass based on Lorelai's reaction in front of everyone. Saturday. This test is on the 25th, a Saturday at 7 a.m.? gross. Friggin' Lorelai asks the awkward question of, can the parents come to the test? And the parents obviously think she's a complete idiot to ask this question. And this guy, one of the parents goes, it's a test. What's exciting about a test? And she goes, do you play golf? And he says, yeah. And she goes, you explain yours and I'll explain mine. I'm wondering, does ASP hate golf? Like last episode was about golf and how it's a good walk spoiled, as we all know by now. And then one mom goes to another mom and does that like loud whisper that everyone can hear. That's the one who voted for the scrunchies. And the other mom replies, must be a scholarship student. <laughs> Lorelai's like, um, excuse me? The teacher breaks this potential fight up by saying, let's take a break. Max Medina. Max Medina. Our teacher's name is Max Medina. He's played by Scott Cohen. Lorelai makes this remark about how the coffee was so horrible, and he says there's an option to not drink it. And she says, not in my world, further letting us know that she's still a coffee addict. You can see as Lorelai and Max are talking right away that they just get along and find each other funny. There's definitely an instant little spark there. Max goes, so are you a B-52s girl? Because Lorelai's wearing a B-52s t-shirt under her blazer. But she says no, and that she's not. She just had this t-shirt in the car. So, like, did you buy a B-52s t-shirt? Or, like, clearly it's your t-shirt. It fits you. Who else's would it be? Rory's? Max drops the bomb on Lorelai that Rory got a D on her paper. And Lorelai is shocked that she got a D. 
She's like, okay, I gotta go. She's all freaking out for Rory and she leaves parent-teacher night literally after minutes (laughs) where like nothing happened, but she kind of made a fool of herself. (laughs) She almost runs into the globe again on her way out and you can tell Max is just a smitten kitten over her right now and I'm pretty sure the other parents are whispering about her as she leaves yet again. At Luke's, Rory is having a time and not in a good way. She like breaks her pencil on her homework and then just throws it. Great physical comedy here, actually. I totally remember these times in school where you're just ready to absolutely lose it, when really all you probably need is just to go out for a walk, maybe eat something, and just chill out, relax from the daunting task of this insane homework. Luke drops off a piece of pie, because he said violent pencil tossing usually signals the need for pie. She's like, what if I had thrown a pen? And he's like, I would have brought you a trout. I don't make the rules. Sounds like Mad Libs. Remember those? So 90s. Lorelai shows up at Luke's and Rory's been so off that she completely forgot it was parent-teacher meeting tonight. Lorelai says she hates when she's an idiot and she doesn't know it. Ditto. But she didn't know that Rory got a D and she totally understands why she was completely bummed out and just sinking herself into her studying. Rory says that she was too humiliated to tell Lorelai and Lorelai says once she told her that she liked Saved by the Bell. And what could be more humiliating than that? I don't get that because I loved Saved by the Bell. Maybe one of the writers or Amy had beef? <laughs> I don't know. Rory said she's never gotten a D ever. Must be nice. (laughs) Lorelai said, you didn't feel sorry for yourself when it took you three months to learn how to ride a bike. And Rory goes, it took me four months to learn how to ride a bike. And Lorelai goes, really? Four months? That's so funny. Also, four months? I don't know. Doesn't it take you like an hour? Like maybe a day to learn to ride a bike? I'm shocked that Rory is just that incapable. (laughs) Lorelai says, you have plenty of time to fix everything and everything will be fine. You can do this. And then Rory brings up this test on Shakespeare. That's 20% of her grade. Rory is sitting on the bench at Shelton, obviously studying again, and Paris walks up behind her reciting this bizarre Shakespeare quote just to prove her point to Rory that Paris knows absolutely everything. And just in case she didn't know by the time she was done reciting this monologue, Paris says, you're going down, which might be the best thing ever to come out of Paris's mouth. Just kidding, there's going to be way more than that in the future. Lorelai's got her hair up in this flippy thing again as she walks into the kitchen at the inn where Suki is, making like 10 different kinds of risotto. Suki's trying to figure out more about this food critic that came in at the inn, and she asked one of the waiters to come up, and she told him that he didn't love the risotto, and the waiter goes, the magic risotto? No. Now we're at the scene where Lorelai and Rory are studying in their house, so we get to see another angle of the inside of their house, where they have a real wood-burning fireplace going and Rory's eating out of a bag of chips and now all of a sudden I have a craving for some plain lays Mmm. They're into the evening now studying and Rory's retaining information and the shit she has to learn for this is insane I remember reading Shakespeare for like a week at school and the teacher would call on people to read out loud. It was nuts because no one knew how to read Old English and not stumble over every word Lorelai just brought up that they had fries and horseradish I've never done that before, but I would. Lorelai says they should call it a night and get some beauty sleep, and Rory decides no, she still needs to stay up longer, so of course Lorelai's gonna stay up longer with her. Lorelai gets up from the couch where she fell asleep and sees Rory passed out on the table in a very awkward and uncomfortable position. Next thing you know, it's morning time, and we're waking up with both of them passed out on top of Rory's books at the table in the kitchen, and Rory gets up and goes, oh no, she slept in. Worst case, Ontario. She missed her bus for school. 
And Lorelai realizes she can't drive her either because she has a meeting at the inn. So she gives Rory the keys to take the Jeep. So we see Rory peeling out. So I guess she does have a license, which we didn't actually see. But anyway, she comes up to this random road where she stops at a stop sign where it looks like she's literally in the middle of a forest. Take a pause right here for a second. And this is something I've never noticed before now. Rory stops at a stop sign. And I've been reading online that people are saying that the stop sign is backwards. But if you watch, the stop sign is just double-sided. This has to be done, I can only assume so that from every angle the audience can see that it's a stop sign? I'm not sure. There's nobody around, so she sits at the stop sign to call Lane, and Lane's just lounging in her closet at her house. By the way, her closet is her sanctuary. Rory asks her, did I leave some of my notes at your house yesterday? Because she needs to check something and she can't find her notes. As we all saw, she was distracted driving looking for them. Not safe, Rory. You know what? We just need to talk a little bit more about Lane's closet because as she opens up her closet, it's like this massive closet. Not a walk-in closet, but it looks like it's just got this huge amount of room underneath and behind where her clothes hang. Two double bifold doors open that are huge. And we see Lane's completely modest, boring, basic, like very, very simple bedroom. And her closet is just full of stuff like all her memorabilia, bright colored things, lights, pillows. Basically what my room looks looked like in the early 2000s. Actually, that reminds me, I should try and find a picture of that room because my cousins would come over for Christmas Eve parties at our house every year and they always wanted to see my bedroom because it was like a museum. Just wild. Stay tuned. I'll find something to post for IG for that. Lane doesn't see Rory's notes and right then the Jeep just shakes and bam, there's a pair of antlers. Then we actually see a deer, like a real deer. Rory just got hit by a deer. And Lane's like, how do you get hit by a deer? Rory's like, I was at a stop sign and I got hit by a deer. She's freaking out now, like next level panic, as to be expected, I suppose. Lane's hilarious. She asks <laughs> she asks if it was a four-way stop because she doesn't know what else to ask when you get hit by a deer. <laughs> Rory gets out while still on the phone because she wants to see if the deer's okay. And Lane's like, Rory, your test. Rory is like, ah, shit, yeah, gets back in the Jeep, and then she arrives at school completely disheveled and extremely late for this test. She bursts in the room thinking that she can just sit down and take the test. Mr. Medina's not going to let her take the test. You can see Paris and Louise kind of smirking about it as Rory just makes a complete scene in the classroom about how she was up all night studying and she's so ready for this test. Then she tells Mr. Medina that she got hit by a deer, and he's like, you hit a deer? And she goes, no, I got hit by a deer. Two very different things. Ask my mom. More on that later. Paris looks over at Madeline and Louise and just goes, loser. Which I always laugh because it's funny. Actually, earlier I was watching Bring It On and remember the loser sneeze? Paris just went for the full on loser. A loser. A loser. A loser. That was a good one. (laughs) And then Rory goes off screaming in her face. What the hell is wrong with you? Rory said, hell. Mr. Medina practically has to drag her out of class and she screams in Tristan's face saying for the last time, the name is Rory. She really screamed it. I love that. At the end, Michelle and Lorelai are talking and then Drella goes, hey, what do you think about Pat Benatar? And Lorelai goes, great. Can she play the harp? Nice. Zing. (laughs) Suki's freaking out, just hollering and screaming in the kitchen because she found the bill for the food critic and she found out that he ordered the wrong wine and that's why he thought the risotto was just fine. Surprise, why not just drink battery acid? Side note, I've never been a fan of wine. I definitely, when I was younger, drank a little bit here and there, like some crappy $7 wine that was super sweet, but I definitely cannot do any kind of dark red wine. Um, 
I can maybe do a few sips of a sweet white wine, but where I'm going with this story is thanks to my mother and father-in-law for introducing me to this cranberry wine. It's like $10 a bottle and it's chef's kiss. I wonder how that pairs with risotto. Suki can't believe the server even served that wine with the risotto. Jackson comes in with some veggies for Suki and she goes, nope, too small. (laughs) She's friggin' hilarious. And he looks up at Lorelai and he goes, it's good to have her back. Michelle walks in and he says, there's a guy with a funny accent on the phone for you and passes the phone to Lorelai. And she goes, really? Did you guys exchange the secret handshake? (laughs) That was a good one. This episode's full of zingers. Turns out the guy on the phone is Headmaster Charleston calling Lorelai to let her know about what just happened at school. And then Lorelai heads right over to school and Rory is sitting on a bench outside the office where she tells her that she got hit by a deer and that she was late and they wouldn't let her take the test. Now Lorelai's really pissed about this and storms right into the office to talk about how they wouldn't let her take the test that she was up all night studying for. Then, of course, as Lorelai walks into Charleston's office, or should I say, she really did storm into his office. He would be standing there sipping tea with Max and their little cup and saucers. Lorelai's telling them that it's not fair that Rory was unable to take her test, and Charleston just looks at it as another excuse. He's not going to take this kind of stuff at Chilton. He's basically just simply saying she was too late and she can't take the test. That's just the rules of Chilton. Lorelai and Rory tend to think that they can talk their way out of things, but they're finding out pretty quickly that that's not going to fly at this school. I love his excuses when he's going off making a point to her that these just sound like just that excuses. And he says that one line about, I went blind last night, but I'm fine now. (laughs) His delivery on that was hilarious. I laugh about it just thinking about it. Charleston basically tells her to leave because it's that simple. She's not allowed to take the test and Mr. Medina is in the office too and they both get to witness Lorelai kind of flip off the handle here about how ridiculous this all seems to her. Now Charleston points out the fact that Lorelai and Rory threw a similar fit over this issue today and Charleston said, if Rory can't handle the pressure, then she should leave. Lorelai and Rory are both now sitting on the bench outside the office together at school, just blank stares on their faces. I think Lorelai's in shock that Rory threw a literal fit. And then we get to see another exterior shot and Lorelai's like, wow, you really did get hit by a deer. There's like this big old dent in the side of the Jeep. Apparently Suki took the Independence Inn's van over to the food critic's house. So she found out where he lives and she's got a plate of risotto with a glass of the appropriate wine to give him. He answers the door and she's facing the other way. It's like she doesn't want to see what he looks like so maybe they can both stay anonymous to each other. I don't know. Our buddy Lucian points out that he gave her a good review, and this is really inappropriate. It is. But she just needs him to try this dish with the appropriate wine. I think he can't say no to her because she's so cute when she's standing at the door. Rory and Lorelai are driving back now, and Lorelai's in the driver's seat this time, and Rory tells her to stop the Jeep where the deer hit her so she can go out and look to see if it's okay. They don't find it, so let's assume it's okay. Lorelai's like, so what does this deer look like? Any distinguishing marks beside the words Jeep? printed on its forehead? I LOL'd. Every time I hear that line, I'm reminded of a time when someone rear-ended me. So I drive a Ford Escape to set the scene. And I had this plug in my trailer hitch and it was the oval like Ford emblem. And so this person who rear-ended me, it was super lightly, like she didn't hit me hard, but it was in the winter and the roads were dry, but the cars were very dirty. And when I got out to take a look at the damage, because I was super mad that this just happened on my way to work and I was maybe going to be late, but this chick drove into the back of my vehicle. I saw that all she did was push the plug 
it seemed to like jam itself into the trailer hitch a little bit further. And then when I looked at her front bumper to see like what damage she had, she was driving like a Corolla or something. It was so dirty, but I could see the mark from my Ford emblem stamped into the front of her bumper perfectly. It was really funny. I can still see it to this day. Lorelai brings up the fact that Rory went ballistic in class and she's trying to tell her like, you shouldn't be studying that hard. It's not okay. What happened today? It's not okay. And I think she realized that too, that they both kind of went off the deep end about it. And maybe it's time for some reflection here. Lorelai's basically saying, if you wanted to go back to Stars Hollow High, that would be okay. And Rory thinks they're kicking her out. But she wants her to know it's completely her decision and that Lorelai is not going to be mad if she decides she wants to go back to her old school. Lorelai's now questioning like, where did this Harvard talk come from? Was it from her or was it from Rory? Was it Lorelai's dream or Rory's dream that she went to Harvard? Rory said she's not doing this because of her and that she does want to go to Harvard and she does want to be in Chilton. Rory says Harvard is her dream. She wants it more than anything and that she can catch up and she can do the work and she's not ready to quit Chilton. You go, girl. She's not ready to give up, and she says, thanks for yelling at the headmaster, by the way, and calling him El Duce. And Lorelai says, that means kind sir in Cantonese. Lorelai says she hopes the deer had car insurance. <laughs> the girls get back home, and Lorelai says, we're blowing off the rest of this day, and we're going to Luke's. By this point, it's like middle of the day. Hey, this might be the first sighting of the creepy clown pillow at Lorelai and Rory's house. Okay, so 42 minutes and 19 seconds-ish pause. It's when the girls stop at home first to change before they're going to go to Luke's. Look on the left side of Lorelai where you will see this creepy pillow that's sitting on the floor. I think this pillow moves around and I'm pretty sure it's in random places in the house and it just has this like clown on it. I don't know about you, I hate clowns and I want nothing to do with them. I don't want anything in my house to have a clown on it or even resemble anything clownish. So the phone rings and Lorelai is just sitting there listening to the message that's being left on the answering machine. And it's Max Medina. He's saying that he talked to Headmaster Charleston about Rory doing some extra credit work. It'll probably be extremely mentally exhausting and painful. But before Mr. Medina hangs up, he says... And if your mother's listening, it was a pleasure encountering her again. And he hopes that it happens again soon. Ooh. Lorelai has a little smile on her face, so you can tell she really likes Max. And that she might be a little smitten kitten also. And that's how the episode ends. Lorelai slumps back into the couch, all smiles, waiting for Rory to change so they can go to Luke's. And boom, roll the end credits. Now it's time for our fashion segment, the outfits of the day. Jackson is wearing an amazing tie-dye long-sleeve tee underneath his coveralls. It's just a perfect look. Next, we've got Lorelai's B-52's t-shirt, which is actually more of a tank top when we see her back at home sans blazer. And yeah, let's talk about this look. A tee under a blazer became a very big thing. And actually, we will see that fashion right up until the end of the series. And do you want to know something? After World War II, actors such as... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As James Dean and Marlon Brando wore undershirts as outerwear, thus giving us the t-shirt. I want to quote this great article I came across in my research. The title's what got me. Can you wear a t-shirt with a blazer without looking like a 1980s time traveler? I found this article on melmagazine.com. Not only does Gilmore Girls prove that you can, but this article says that, quote, as long as your blazer doesn't have shoulder pads and isn't acid washed, you should be okay, unquote. It also states that, quote, the t-shirts were affliction, and by adding a blazer to this mix was considered rock and roll, if rock and roll is a midlife crisis and a Ferrari you can't afford, unquote. Next, we have Lorelai's cheetah print t-shirt with a pink collar and pink cuffs. What is it with cheetah and pink? I have to find this photo I have. One time my dog and I dressed the same, and it was also cheetah print and pink. This style totally suits Lorelai. Pair that with Rory's green heavy knit print sweater. That's giving winter warlock vibes. Favorite quotes. I love a lot of quotes in this episode, but ah, to choose just one. Nope, I'm choosing two. Two timeless pieces. First off, Paris to Rory, you're going down. And second is Rory to Lorelai. You go, girl. My mom says that to me all the time. Not sarcastically, though. She actually means it. And I love it. Thanks, mom. All right, now on to references. First off, The Deer Hunter, obviously, from the title of this episode. Flashdance the movie. That flashdance sequence of dialogue actually encompasses several references, like Il Duce, in Italian means the leader. Mussolini called himself Il Duce. He was a fascist dictator. Gauchos. I only knew what gauchos were because of a movie which I've already referenced on this pod, actually, Never Been Kissed, where Drew Barrymore's character wears gauchos. I'll attach a pic on Instagram of those flared pants. Gauchos are also nomadic horsemen, hunters, and frontier people of the grasslands. Saved by the Bell, the late 1980s sitcom. There was also a reboot in 2020 that was canceled after two seasons. B-52s is an American new wave band from Georgia formed in 1976. Marco Polo, it's that game that everyone knows how to play, and if you don't, just watch that scene in this episode of GG. I did a little Google search for some additional info, and then I decided I'm just going to read the first result to come up and leave it at that because it's hilarious, and I will accept this response, and so shall you. (laughs) Pinchapenny.com, under the rules of Marco Polo, states... The game shares its name with the 13th century Italian trader and explorer Marco Polo. There is no apparent connection between the game and the explorer, although according to some, the famed explorer didn't really have a clue as to where he was going either. Done. By William Shakespeare, or Billy Shakespeare as Sky Sweetnam would say, the comedy of errors, King Richard III, and the sonnets are all referenced. When Rory says to Tristan, what's up Quimby? That's a reference to Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. Drella references Versace when she says, I wonder if they make a pacifier for Michelle. Drella also says she's the Artie Shaw of Harpus. Artie Shaw was an American jazz musician from Connecticut. He played the clarinet. Drella makes the comparison because she feels like Artie Shaw did in that Shaw claimed that he has taken the instrument as far as he could, so he quit. And it's said that, and this is a spoiler, Drella is never seen again after this episode. And maybe it's because she feels that she's taken the harp as far as she can and she's to quit. Too deep. 
And thanks to AnnotatedGilmoreGirls.com for that insight. What I thought about later. Okay, so wait, Rory was driving alone, and she's not technically 16 yet. In the state of Connecticut, you must be 16 years old to get your learner's permit. It's the same where I live. You couldn't legally get behind the wheel before that. And also, also, how much do you love their answering machine when Mr. Medina calls their house to leave a message? It's us. We're not here. We have a life. Get over it. I love it. Also, 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 I was of course consulting the encyclopedia, Taryn Dreifout's You've Been Gilmored, and I found Rory's acceptance letter to Chilton, so I thought I'd give it a read. <clears throat> Dear Ms. Gilmore, we are happy to inform you that we have a vacancy at Chilton Preparatory starting immediately. Due to your daughter's excellent credentials and your enthusiastic pursuit of her enrollment, we would be happy to accept her as soon as the first semester's tuition has been received. Yours sincerely, Headmaster Charleston. Now on to the music. What is this song that plays right here? Lorelai's waking up at 24 minutes and 42 seconds. Okay, so I had to look it up because I loved this song and I am adding this to my playlist. It's My Darling by Wilco. Seriously, look it up. It's just got a great vibe to it. Next, we've got Iron Man by Black Sabbath that Drella is seen playing on the harp. And the song that Lane's listening to in her closet is Wendy by Wesley Yang and Gavin McNett. So this episode has a new segment, and this segment is called, What Are People Saying? And this week, we're going to start off with my first special guest. And who might this guest be? Well, it's my brother, Nick. So let's do this, shall we? Hey, bro, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing good, thanks. Ah, so glad to hear it. And welcome to On Wednesdays We Gilmore. I'm glad I finally get to do my part on the uh, podcast. Oh, man, me too. Seriously. So, as you know, I've got a few questions for you about this episode, The Deer Hunters. Fortunately, I just watched it, so uh, I should have some answers for you. Awesome. Okay, so what did certain aspects of this episode make you think of? Maybe something in our personal life, perhaps? First off, great transition. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely reminds me of uh, our own personal lives here, Uh a year or so ago, our own mother actually got hit by a deer in her car. And she, she didn't hit the deer, as everybody said in the uh, the episode. She got hit by the deer. <laughs> Thanks. She sure did. She got hit by a deer. And what, aside from the initial thought of, oh my god, I hope she's okay, did you think about when she told us this news? Yeah, aside from the fact that, uh, you know, we were at first kind of, you know, startled, concerned that uh, making sure that she was Okay. Uh, the very first thing that I, I thought of was, holy shit, that's exactly what happened to Rory and Gilmore Girls. It's just such a ridiculous concept. I just couldn't believe that it actually happened to anybody. I've never heard of anybody in real life actually getting hit by a deer. And I think that's the whole reason why it's it's so funny in the show. It's just such a ridiculous concept. You know, you, you usually hit a deer. You're going faster than a deer. It's not usually the fact that a deer runs into the side of your car. Uh, in the episode, it's, it's funny because she's stationary. Our, our mom wasn't necessarily stationary when she was driving, but it's kind of the same concept. It was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> totally. I know. And after we made sure mom was okay from the accident, that actually did a lot of damage to their basically brand new car. First thing that popped into my head was this episode, of course. So Nick, I'm wondering, do you have any other thoughts on this episode? And if you had to give it a rating out of 10, what would you give it? Overall, I thought this episode was actually pretty killer. Um, and there's a reason why uh, so many people quote it from the show, even though the show has had 
so many seasons. Um, I think the writing is is pretty on point. Uh, the fact that, yeah, she gets hit by a deer and just wh- whatever writer thought of that, I think that's just, like I said, a hilarious concept. Um, for me personally, I, I liked some of the other aspects too, but the kind of the, the tirade uh, both Rory and Lorelai go on after the fact as well and how both of them kind of do the same thing. And then Headmaster Charleston responds and uh, says that uh, that Rory did a good impression of Lorelai. Um, and just, yeah, the, the quick, quick conversation back and forth, you know, there was a lot of good one-liners in the show too. So I think the writing was, was pretty solid on this one. Uh, I'd give it probably a solid seven, possibly eight out of 10 in terms of, you know, the, the quality of Gilmore Girls episodes. I mean, there's a lot of other really good ones out there too, but this one was, uh, pretty on point and, and definitely there's a reason why everybody references it, you know, so many seasons on and so many years on too. So yeah, I, uh, it's, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed going back to it and, and thought it was pretty hilarious. There was sometimes, even though I genuinely, I've seen this before, I genuinely laughed uh, a couple times just rewatching the episode, you know, just, just before jumping, jumping on here and, 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty timeless. It's, it's well put together. I'd say yeah, seven, possibly eight out of 10. Well, great minds think alike because I also gave it an 8 out of 10. I'm probably, as a super fan, always going to be a little higher in the ratings department. One other thing I really loved about uh, Lorelai's line when she's fighting with Headmaster Charleston, uh, she calls him El Duce. And I don't know the specific reference she's making there, but I just think that line is hilarious because even if you don't know who that is or or the context or whatever, I, I assume she's referencing either some sort of dictator or some some kind of antagonist in a story or in real life. Um, but just hearing El Duce, it just, it just sounds so funny. And I even without knowing the full backstory on it and... Uh, you don't really need to know it. I just think it's that's just a funny thing that she fit in there. And I think that got people, even when they didn't fully understand the reference she was making. And I think that was a, a really well-placed line. Um, so something else I just wanted to make sure I mentioned, because I think that is is hilarious. And, and it really uh, exemplifies the uh, the quality writing in this show. Another thing I'd be bummed if I didn't mention that I thought was really funny in the episode in terms of lines was uh, when Lorelai's in the kitchen with their vegetable guy. It's uh, His name escapes me now. It's on the tip of my tongue. But um, Michelle comes over and uh, he says, there's a man on the phone. He's asking for you. He's, he has a funny accent. And... Um, Immediately, Lorelai shoots back and she says, well, did you guys do the secret handshake or, or something like that? And I thought that was just so hilarious. And, and her and the vegetable guy just have a good laugh at it together. And Michelle is just like completely out in the dark on it. And uh, again, I just like the chemistry of that specific line and just the way that the uh, the actors uh, portrayed that was just was really, really funny, too. So I, I had to mention that, too. Also, I pointed out that line to you about the secret handshake, and I laughed as well. So, again, great minds. And you're so right about the Il Duce line as well. I briefly talked about it earlier in the episode, but I agree. You don't even really need to know what it means to still find it funny and get the joke. And, and that's the thing about Amy, too, the creator of the show. She said, like, you, you don't have to get everything, and not everyone's meant to get everything at every time. Now, I mean, it's a lot easier. We can just Google it and look something up, but you don't even need to get it to really fully enjoy the show. That's just kind of like some bonus features. Something else I want to know about, too, that I mentioned in this episode, because we got to see Lane's secret room in her closet, was my old bedroom. 
which we used to describe as like a circus tent, something wild, crazy colors, just memorabilia and eclectic everywhere. And you, my little brother, had that bedroom after I moved out. So I just wanted to know, like, what did you have to say about that bedroom that I had? And how fun was it to transform it into the awesome bedroom that you had? That's a really good question, actually. Um, yeah, your your bedroom, you know, growing up in, in our old house there, um, your bedroom prior to me taking it over was uh, just totally different. I mean, I, both of our, you know, both the forms of that bedroom were totally representative of both of our personalities too. You know, you being the one that's very much into, you know, art, uh, you know, you had uh, the original carpet in there, but it was covered in, in paint and just a whole bunch of, whole bunch of stuff everywhere. Right. And you had, yeah, you had stripes on the walls. It looked like a circus tent. They were a whole bunch of different colors. I remember even after we painted the walls, there was so much paint where the stripes were that you could still see the ridges of the stripes on the walls. Um, yeah. I think before, it switched over when it was still kind of in, in the form that it was your, you know, original bedroom. Uh, it was um, a mixture of, you know, when the house was built, which I think was like 70s or 80s, um, and and just, you know, that brown carpet and, and everything, too. I think that was kind of uh, representative of its time and definitely your personality as, as being very eclectic. You had lots of stuff kind of jammed in, but you had things. There's always something to look at. You know, we had um, cousins, whenever they'd come over, we'd have a Christmas Eve party. Our cousins would come and they would want to see the, the latest state of your room because it was just so interesting to them. There was just so much. It was like a where's Waldo almost. So your your form of the bedroom was was super interesting and, and really representative of you in terms of, you know, the style and and, and just the, you know, the the complexity and the the the, the art and the the interest of creativity and everything too. So it was it was really interesting in the form that you had it. And then when it flipped over to me it was super interesting because it was just, it was night and day. It was, you know, they, they ripped out the carpet, hardwood floors. We had some leather chairs in there. We had TV on a glass stand and, and it was just, it was, it was a totally different room. And I love that room. There's something I really appreciated about that room too. Growing up was, you know, I'd come back after school uh, at that, whatever, three, three thirty ish or whatever, whenever it was. And that room always got full light. It was facing where the sun would set. So you you get to see the sunset from that bedroom, and um, I, I always really enjoyed that room. It was a great spot to just kind of sit and think and um, obviously play video games and all that kind of stuff, have friends over, but it was actually a really, really great spot. And really, that room, personally for me, taught me how to appreciate lighting in a space, specifically natural lighting. So it, it was, it, I think it was an interesting room for both of us, and I think there was things that we both enjoyed from that room and it was it was definitely interesting to see the flip though because it was very much you know our personality is i was very much organized and all about order and you were more about the kind of artistic chaos in a way so yeah that was uh, that was interesting to see how that uh, how that flipped when i took that room over but uh, uh that was a good question artistically chaotic that is me also one more thing did you happen to notice the clown pillow I did not notice the clown pillow. Um, I'm just trying. I'm wondering now, you know, where where it was. Uh, it's got to be in uh, Lorelai and and Rory's house, but I, I don't know where. I assume it's in their living room, but I definitely did not pick up on that. Um, yeah, it's gonna bug me now. I, I'm gonna have to go back and uh, and watch that. Yes, definitely do that. We're gonna be keeping tabs on it from here on out. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks to my brother, Nick, and thanks for listening. I'll see you again in two weeks.
Please give the pod a rating and a review and be sure to follow the Instagram page on Wednesdays We Gilmore. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to more guests in the future. But for now, remember, on Wednesdays, we Gilmore. Bye! Oh, and one more thing. Rory is without the baby G watch in this episode. And as Shakespeare's Old English would say, saith farewell to the baby G gaze. Yes, I translated that on Google. La, 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 la,